Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Praise the Lord, church. How's everybody doing this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm glad. Glad to be here this morning. I want to welcome you all. Can we give the Lord a hand clap in this morning? I know we just set up uh, the, the temperature, the right temperature right now, though it doesn't feel like it. I feel a little chilly. But, you know, we just set up the atmosphere this morning. I, I want to greet you all on behalf of Pastor and on behalf of Brother Trey. Um, and I want to honor them first and foremost for the opportunity to be here opening the service for you. You guys may be seated for now. Um, get situated here in a little bit. Um, I, I will be teaching this morning, and uh, uh, it's my first time teaching this year, okay? Not my first time teaching up here, first time this year. And um, as you can hear from my voice, I'm a little raspy, but, you know, by the grace of God, we'll work through that. Amen? Uh, I have a very lengthy portion of Scripture this morning, so I will probably not have you guys stand for all of it. Um, so I'll just go ahead and, and, and get started here with my points. Um, but I do, again, want to wanna say that I, I'm glad to be here this morning. I know I've, I've repeated, it, repeated that, but I'm really glad. I'm really happy to be here because uh, a couple weeks before the new year, I probably wouldn't have made it. You know, I, 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 yeah, it, I, I was sick. You know, I, I thought I was going to die because I'm a big baby when I get sick. And, you know, uh, I got into a little, to a little accident. My wife knows a little bit about that. Don't ask her. Uh, um, and my father-in-law's not here, but he would definitely testify of what happened. All right. Um, but I actually want to change things a bit. I, I know I said uh, don't, don't stand up for the reading of the portion, but I think it will be appropriate if we did. Because you'll be standing for maybe a minute or two. Then you can sit down, and, I'll, I'll, and then I'll, I'll be remaining standing. So I apologize if I let you guys in the wrong direction. But I will take my scripture this morning from the book of Genesis, chapter 22. If you do not know where that is, you may ask your neighbor. Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Remember, my first time picking up a Bible, I only got to chapter 1. All those, uh, you know, thou's and these, and, you know, I, I didn't really mind for it, but that was my first time. Now, now I read a little further. But Genesis chapter 22, if you're there, say amen. Amen. So I'm going to read a chapter, I mean, verses 1 through 19. Like I said, it's a little bit lengthy, but just bear with me. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his, his uh, donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went on to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. 
And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. We'll come back, he said. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it up upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood are here. But where's the lamb for a burnt offering? He was getting a little scared. He was getting a little worried, perhaps. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham uh, built an altar there and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here I am. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted, lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket. Hallelujah. By his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, and the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven for the second time and said, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heavens, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess all, uh, excuse me, shall possess the gate of its enemies, and thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at a very familiar uh, portion of the scripture that we read this morning. One of my favorite stories about God's provision right there. God provided in the middle of a bad circumstance. I mean, he was about to slay his own son. But that's what I want to speak to you all about this morning. God wants our all. God wants our all. Can you bow your heads for me? Maybe lift a hand. We're going to pray for this word this morning. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the word you've given us today, Lord, and we pray, Lord, that, that, that you bring forth understanding to this world, and I pray, Lord, that your word comes out with passion and with ease, Lord. I pray that you will anoint my voice, anoint every person that is here listening right now, Lord, anoint this word that's going to come forth, and Lord, I pray that we may dwell in your word and obey it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I know that was a little bit lengthy uh, scripture, but alas, it's the story of Abraham and Isaac. God had told them, Abraham, I need you to sacrifice your son. Now, I am not a father, but I do have a pet, two pets. And if, even if, I'm not comparing a kid to a pet, please keep that in mind. But if even God would have asked me to sacrifice my dog, I would have thought about it twice. I would have put some thought into it. But the fact that 
God asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son. And, and keep in mind that he, uh, God keeps telling him, your only son. And keep that in mind because I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. But he asked him to sacrifice his son, everything he had. Pretty much God was telling him, I want your all. I want everything. I want the promise that I gave you. Because that son was a promise in the waiting. Abraham waited 25 years to receive that promise. And now, a couple years later, God is asking him, hey, can you come sacrifice that promise? Amen. God wants our all. He wants our all. But what is this all that he wants? Because there's, there's, there's some times where we think that everything is in the objects that we own. Everything is in the house that we own, the car, whatever it is. That's my all, right? You spend a whole lifetime, you know, saving money to buy a house or even to build a house. You spend a lifetime saving money to buy the car of your dreams. And to you, that may be your all because you put all your time, all your effort, all your strength for this particular thing. So that may be classified as your all. Now, here's a quote that I, that I, that I heard about giving it all. And I saw this in a restaurant, so it's not inspirational at all. You, you, many of you may have heard it before, um, especially if you're in the military. But it goes, all gave some, but some gave all. All gave some, but some gave all. What it's saying there is that, yeah, all of them gave a little something, but not all of them gave their all. That being their life. They gave their everything. That being serving in the war, whatever the case may be, they gave it all. They paid the ultimate price for a cause, that being. Now, we look at the disciples when Jesus calls his disciples. He asks them, leave everything behind. Leave your all behind and follow me. Now, we, we, we know that only 12 of them did because he only called 12 of them. But uh, we, we read in Matthew chapter 4, uh, verses 18 through 22, when he called Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, uh, the scripture says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightaway left their nets and followed him. Now, I want you to think for a minute. You're out there doing what you are good at doing. In this case, they were fishermen, right? They liked fishing. Probably that's, that was their whole livelihood. Maybe that's what they ate. You know, they probably fished to, to eat. Uh, they probably fished to sell uh, the fish to get some money to buy some chicken or something. But alas... They were doing something that represented their whole livelihood. You know, it says they were there fishing because that's what they were. They were fishers. But then when Jesus asked to call them, it says, and they straight away left their nets. Right away, it says, they left everything behind and they followed him. Now, imagine you're at work. How many of you guys like your jobs? All right, only a few of you. I'll be praying for y'all's jobs. I'll be praying that God opens doors to every single one of you in Jesus' name. Amen. So you all may be happy at your jobs. But 
Imagine being at a job that you like, or maybe a family-owned business, you know, um, and then somebody comes up to you and says, leave everything behind and follow me. Now, it's different when Jesus asks you but in, than somebody else, right? But in this case, Jesus was asking them to leave something that they hold very dearly, leave everything behind and follow him, and they did. When Jesus calls James and, and John in, in, in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, the same thing happens. The scripture says, And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James and the son of uh, James, the son of, of Zebedee, and John his brother, and the ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the, sh uh, the ship and their father and followed him. So now not only did they leave the nets, not only did they leave the ship, but they left their father. They left their, their, fa their family member, their, their, you know, bye, you know, I'm gone. I mean, I'm sure they probably said bye to his dad. I don't think they just ignored him like, hey, what's over there? You know, Jesus followed me over here. But they followed him immediately. When Jesus calls Matthew, you know, and I'm not going to do all the 12 disciples, so don't, don't get... Uh, but uh, in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9, the scripture says, And as Jesus passed from, from, uh, forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. Now that place, the receipt of custom, is a place where, where he received the taxes. That's, he was in his little booth. You know, he has a little calculator, the abacus or whatever they had. You know, probably counted one, two, three shekels, whatever it may be. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now, I, I picture Matthew counting the money there, Jesus saying, follow me, and him arising, leaving his booth, and walking away with Jesus. Now, the, the other guy must have been like, oh, yeah, that's my change, you know? Dropped, he dropped everything he, he was doing, and he followed Jesus right away. Now, that wasn't always the case, though. There were people in, 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 in the Bible, and, and there was one particular person that stands out, and that's a rich uh, young ruler. He wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to be one of his disciples. But this is what happened instead. In, in Matthew chapter uh, 19, verses 20 through 22, first of all, he asks, what do I have to do to enter heaven? And then Jesus replies to him, well, you got to follow these commands. You know, don't kill, uh, don't steal, don't bear false witness, you know, honor your, your mom and your dad. Uh, but then the young man said in Matthew uh, chapter 19, uh, 20, 22 again, uh, the young man said unto him, all these things have I kept. He said, look, I've been doing all this that you've asked. What else must I do? Uh, he, he said, all things have I kept from my youth. He says, since, since I was a little kid, you know, my parents brought me up well. It's pretty much what he was saying. What lack I yet? So what do I lack? What else do I need? And Jesus said unto him, if, you, if thou wilt be perfect, so if you want complete you know, perfection, if you want to, to do what you say you want to do, go and sell that thou hast. Go and sell everything that you have. Once again, Jesus was asking for his all, everything. Sell that, 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 uh, that thou hast, sell it, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have a treasure in heaven. Now, he's, he, this is like a cause and effect type of deal. He said, if you sell everything that you have and give the money to the poor, the result is that you'll have a treasure in heaven. Anybody would have taken up that offer, right? Say, hey, I don't got nothing else to do. Leave everything behind, but I, I'll take heaven. But no, this is what he said instead. And come and follow me. Now, I want to address this real quick because I, I didn't grow up in the church, 
And many things that were taught to me were biblical-based, but um, as you know, there are some other uh, people out there that teach stuff, partial biblical things. So now, I've, I've heard before, and I've been shown, uh, somebody has shown me actually, this is way before, it says, well, well you see what you got to do? You got to be a nice person. You got to help the poor, and you got to, you know, give your thanks to those that are in need. You know, and, and I thought that you could only gain salvation by good works. But not only that, Jesus says, then, and come and follow me. So it's not only selling everything you have and giving, and giving uh, the money to the poor, but you have to follow God, too. You have to follow after Jesus, too. So many other uh, uh, prosperity teachings or, you know, one saved, you know, whatever other teachings they may teach you, they say, you got to do good deeds and you got to help out the poor and you'll be all right. You know, Jesus sees the good. All, all your good works will, will get you to heaven. But no, the most important thing that Jesus was asking him is to leave all of that and follow him. Now, many people don't want to do the following part. Because why? Because we're in the flesh, you know, we like, you know, what we have right now. And we don't want to change our ways. We want to stay in the ways that we are, and we don't want to follow after Jesus. So that's, you know, that's a point that I thought I would make in case anybody, um, I'm not saying you may have second thoughts, but just to bring a little bit of clarification because somebody did it for me once, so now I'm doing it for whoever is here. And if you already know this, this is just a reminder, amen? Said, so, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. He went away crying. Why? Because he had great possessions. He had a lot of things, you know. If I have a really nice car, a really nice house, really nice, you know, boat, boathouse ramp, all of that, three-car garage, four-car garage, a camper, you know, nice clothes, I'm, I'm, I'm praying right now. <laughs> Amen. I, I don't have all that. That's what I'm saying. But um, if I had all, all great possessions, like he says right here, you know, I, I would probably hesitate a little bit. It's like, oh, come on. I just, I just got that. I just got those, that clothing. You know, I want to try on my new shoes. I want to drive around that new car. I want to drive that new motorcycle. Well, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. But, um, you know, and, uh, but, but, you know, he went away crying. Why? Because he understood, I have to leave everything. I have to give my all. And that's what I'm trying to, to talk to you guys about, uh, to talk to you guys about this morning, is God wants our all. Now, this, this young man went away sorrowfully. Why? Because he was probably acting childish, you know. I, 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 I remember when I wanted something, you know, I would ask my mom, hey, can I go play outside? You know, my team needs me. You know, it's, it's, she would say, well, you got to wash the dishes. You got to clean the floor and, you know, do whatever else. And then you see what you have to do, and, you're, and then you put two and two together. You're like, well, it's a little warm outside today. Uh, I don't want to sweat. Yeah. It's all right. My team doesn't need me <laughs> today, you know. I remember in Mexico, I used to go outside and play every day, every day. But, you know, I had to do, I had to do certain chores, uh, chores before going outside and play. But, but, but just imagine him walking away sorrowfully, like, oh, man, I got to do all that. Never mind, you know. Oh, man. So I'm missing out on the great promise because I want to hold on to what I already have. Now, in the scripture we read this morning, it, it begins uh, in chapter 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now, we see the word tempt, and we think, well, doesn't only the devil do that? Doesn't only the devil tempt? Why, why would God tempt Abraham to do such a thing? And that being murdering, you know, that's, he was asking him to murder. Now, it, 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 may, it may have changed it. Hey, go sacrifice your son. 
But in the end, you know, he was going to take a knife to his son's chest. Uh, but the Hebrew word translated tempt by the King James Version in this passage is the word nisa, because of the association with tempt is, is, is within, uh, with sin, like I said. It is better to translate this word as a test as to do uh, most recent English translations, right? Now, the sense of nisa is to put to test in order uh, to ascertain the nature of something, including imperfections, false or other qualities. So he wanted to see if his faith was genuine, if he really trusted God. That's the only reason why he tempted him. He said, well, I want to see, you know, Abraham, you know, he, he, he did leave his home, though, you know, he took a lot, you know, he, but he, he's been obeying. He, he heard my voice. I, I know you talked about that last week. Um, you know, I, I, I know, you know, Abraham trusts me. Um, he, you know, he has faith in me. But, but let me do a, a little more. I want to see how, how good his faith is. And this is why he was tempted. This is why God tempted Abraham to go ahead and do this. Why? Because he wanted to put the test in order to ascertain the nature of something, including imperfections, faults, or other qualities. So, so, and then according to this, it does not have to do with sin because according to James 1 and 13, God does not tempt anyone to sin. God will never do that. Amen? So if, if you hear a voice telling you to do something and you know it's not in accordance with the Word of God, I would suggest not doing it. All right? So I want to look at three points this morning. Um, and, and I'll go ahead and, and, and tell you what it is right now, and then I'll, I'll go ahead and, and expand a little bit. Um, so you don't have to write this down, and maybe, maybe you won, I'm not. Uh, but uh, my, the first point I want to look at is Abraham's faith was tested, and that's for sure. That's what I want to talk about. His faith was tested. Uh, genuine faith is demonstrated by obedience. So how, how, how does he want to gain, uh, how, how does God want to see that Abraham has genuine faith? Well, he wants to see how obedient he is, Right? And, and, and while we do that, I want you to think about this. Has God ever spoken to you about making a substantial sacrifice when life was comfortable? Think about that. You know, you may think of the disciples. They were comfortable fishing, you know. I, I've, I've been fishing before. I've seen people net fishing. It's, it's fun to throw the net. It looks fun. I, I don't know if it's fun or not. But it looks fun to th throw the net, and then you pull it out, and it's like hundreds of fish. You know, instead of throwing one hook and then with a really gray worm and expecting something to bite. Um, that's not fishing. That's hoping. That's a lot of what I do. So, so <laughs> the second point, uh, I mean, the, the, the next one will be Abraham did not understand God's command, but he still trusted. That's what he did. Uh, Isaac was obedient to Abraham, you know. We're going to look how not only Abraham did what God asked him to do, but also Isaac played a big role in what, uh, in what needed to be done. Uh, and I want you to imagine, how do you picture Isaac when you hear the, his story of being almost sacrificed in the mountain? He would have said, like, that was crazy. That was crazy. Dad, not that, I'm sorry. <laughs> Dad was really crazy. He, I don't know what was with him, but I don't know what he took this morning. I don't know what he put in his coffee. Uh, D, we can trust when our faith is tested. We can trust God. Ha has there been a time when you felt like life was out of control and you needed faith to believe that God was in control? We can think of many times, right? Uh, the second point I want to touch on this morning, God intervened and proved a sacrifice. You know, like we read, he was about to sacrifice his son, but behold, you know, the angel said, hey, hold on, Abraham, hold on, Abraham. There's a, a ram caught in the thicket right there. Go, go use that instead and not your son. All right, so, so we'll go ahead and get started. So Abraham's faith was tested. Now, a, a, 
a genuine faith is demonstrated by obedience, like I said, right? So he wanted to, 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 to see if he had genuine faith. How, he, how did he do that? Well, I need to see if my servant is obedient. Now, God may call us to, do, uh, to, to, uh, to test our faith many times. We may be tested. And it, and it may be because God wants to see how obedient we are, if we're willing to trust him in this, in this uh, step, in the path. So Isaac was a gift from God. We know that, right? He told him, hey, I'm going to give you a son, and your son will be descendants of many, many nations, as numerous as the stars, as numerous as, uh, as the sand, right? He was a gift from God, and, there would, and, and without God, there would be no Isaac. Why? Because we knew that Abraham was very well in age. He didn't have the, probably didn't have the capacity to have a kid, neither him nor his wife. Not only have one, but, you know, grow one, too. Abraham and Sarah were well into the retirement years and well past their childbearing and child-rearing years. But every day, Abraham woke up to see his son Isaac maybe farming in the fields. It was a good day for him, right? He's like, well, look at my boy all grown up over there working. It was a visible reminder that God kept his word. Every time he saw his son, he's like, that's my promise right there. God promised me the son, and there he is right there. It kept reminding him how God kept his word. God spoke to Abraham again. It had been a while since now that, that God had spoken to Abraham. But whenever God spoke, it was usually good news, right? When God spoke to him and said, hey, go to a land that I'm going to give you, you know, uh, go fight this, win some more land, go get your, your, your uh, nephew Lot and all that. But this time, uh, but it, you know, it was usually good news. So this time God was speaking, and he was like, okay, I wonder what God has for me today. He was probably happy. He was like, okay, God's speaking right now. Let me go listen. And then Abraham turned his ear and he heard God's voice, and it said something completely different. God said uh, in Genesis 22 and 2, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. So he's like, I know you love this kid, but take him. And get thee in the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon the one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. He's like, I'll show you where to go. Just take your son. So this news was not good news, right? How many of you guys would like to hear that? No, nobody. Nobody raised their hand. Uh, it was not good news. Uh, God has just called Abraham to sacrifice his son for whom he had waited for 25 years. Say, so, okay, now, you told me I was going to get a son, and now you want me to go sacrifice him? How does that work, right? How would you respond? Think about that. How, how would you respond? Imagine how he would have responded. We know how he responded. But, you know, if I had a son and, and God said go sacrifice him, I would have been like, I didn't hear that. Go sacrifice your son. You know, many of you guys that have kids, and I've seen kids do that. You know, their parents say, go do something, and they just ignore them and walk away. Probably, probably Abraham would have done that if, if, he, if he really, you know, if he really wanted to. He could have, really, you know, but he, he did have that choice. But many of us know that God does not bless human sacrifice, Right? So we can breathe easier knowing that he will, he will not ask us to sacrifice our own children. So that's a relief right there. But what if you spend your life savings building a house and you finally get it built? It looks nice. got some nice windows, nice uh, siding or stucco, whatever you want to put on it. Um, and after all those dollars and all those years of investment, God asks you to sell it and to give the money to the missions. Would you do it? You'll probably, you know, oh, that wasn't God. Now, some of you say yes, you know. Oh, that wasn't God. It was just a uh, supposed, you know, the supposed that happens. So that may be as close as we can come to a sacrifice such as Abraham faced in the making. Uh, 
And we see in Genesis uh, 22 and 3, it could have begun a little differently. It could have begun like Abraham fighting with God, like, no, I don't want to do this. Please don't let me do this. Probably begging. Probably Abraham could have questioned why, you know. Why? Is there a reason why? Please tell me. Abraham, like I said, he could have ignored him. He's like, oh, that's not God. <laughs> you know? Or Abraham could have, at that point, really, he could have walked away from God. Say, look, God, I, I've, I've left my town. I left my home. I left my family. You brought me all the way over here. Now you want, and you, you gave me a promise, you know, thank you. I got a son now, and you want me to sacrifice him? That's, that's, that's where I draw the line, Abraham could have said. He, he could have walked away from God, and none of this would have happened. But instead, here's what happens. So Abraham rose early in the morning, early in the morning, and saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place which God had told him to. He got prepared right away. He got up. He got his stuff ready. Let's go. Let's do this. Why? Because he's obedience. Abraham obeyed God because Abraham understood genuine faith is demonstrated by obedience. And that's my first point. Genuine faith is demonstrated by obedience. It's not just faith having faith. It's genuine faith, the real faith, the true faith. When we have faith in God, we will obey that he commands. We will obey, rather, that what he commands. Uh, Abraham's faith was tested, as we know. Abraham did not understand God's command, but he still trusted. He still trusted in God. Say, like, God, I don't know why you're asking me to, to do this, but I'm doing it. Right away, like I said, he, he grabbed the, 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 the firewood. He grabbed, you know, the knife. He grabbed the rope. And he started walking. Abraham did not understand God's plan, but he did trust God. It did not make sense to kill the promised son who should branch a family tree into the thousands, even the millions. But God did not call Abraham to understand him. God called Abraham to trust him. He's like, I don't want you to know why I'm doing this. All I want you to do is trust me. You know, many times we may find ourselves in that, and we've got to remind ourselves, I don't need to understand why God is doing this. All i got to do is trust him. Amen? The, uh, this passage is a part of the nature of God we rarely understand. We struggle to understand when our God allows us to walk through tragedy. When God, who could do something about it, seems to do nothing about it. We may see it in, in, in that way. Uh, could God have stopped the accident, maybe? We may ask ourselves. Uh, could he probably kept my company afloat so I, I wouldn't got fired or laid off? Could he have healed the disease in me or my family? Uh, could he have restored my family? Or could he have paid my bills, my, you know, the bank, got rid of that? And now the truth is that God can do that in a moment, in an instant, really. He could just wave his hand and empty every hospital and turn every funeral home into a trampoline park. You know, a good, nice park. But just because he can do, uh, or rather, just because he can does not always mean that he will. We do not understand God, all of God's ways. But his ways are not for us to understand, but they are for us to trust. He is still God. He is still good. And he is still in control. Amen? Now, Isaac was obedient to Abraham, right? Not only Abraham was obedient to God, but also Isaac was obedient to Abraham. It was one thing for Abraham to trust God, but what about Isaac, right? All he knew was that a dad and a handful of servants were going on a road trip to worship God. When they arrived at the mountain, God spoke to Abraham like a GPS voice. Maybe you arrived at your destination. Turn your car off. <laughs> Destination is on the left. 
No. Right up ahead, rather, because he was, you know, going up a mountain. Uh, and then Abraham uh, turned to his servants, nodded, and said, okay, so you guys stay here. My son and I will go up, you know, and worship, and we'll come back, right? We'll come back. At least that was, that's what the plan was. Uh, they stayed a while, and Abraham and Isaac marched towards the mountain. As they climbed up the mountain, Isaac began taking inventory. All right, Dad, so we got, uh, you know, we got the, the firewood. We got the knife. We got what we need for a fire. Um, where's the lamb? I don't see any, I don't hear it. You know, I don't see it. Well, it's hard to miss, really. You know, and he replied with faith. Now, now this is where, where the faith begins. Well, not where it begins, but where it continues, rather. Abraham replies, God will provide himself a lamp for a burnt offering. Now, no one knows if Abraham really knew what, uh, knew what he was saying when, uh, when he said God will provide a lamb. He was just speaking in faith, right? And when they reached the peak, Abraham unloaded the wood of Isaac's shoulders and built an altar to the Lord. Then he turned to Isaac and began to tie his hands. What was he doing? Why was he tying Isaac's hands? Now, Isaac didn't do anything wrong, right? That's a really bad punishment where you get your hands tied. Say, what I do? Why are you tying my hands? You know? He certainly did not, didn't deserve this. You know, he's like, I've been following you. I've carried the wood for you. Why are you doing this for me? Now, although Abraham was still strong, Isaac was stronger. Mind you, Abraham was really old in his years. You imagine a 100-plus-year-old guy and a nice, you know, teenager, you know, is going to be a lot stronger. He could have fought off, uh, off his dad and overpowered him, you know. Isaac could have run down the mountain. He was definitely faster than Abraham. Could have run down screaming for help, help me, rescue me from my father. I don't know what's wrong with him. But he trusted his, God, his dad's ability to hear from God. He said, I don't know what's, I, I would have been frightened. You know, I, I, I don't like being held in confined spaces. I'm what you call claustrophobic. You know, my, my wife wraps me up in a blanket. I don't like that. I'm like, I need to move. You know, she, she knows what, to, she knows how to, how, to, how to get to me. But I'm like, I, I, need, I need my space. You know, I, I can't be, you know, I, I don't like tight clothes, even though they get tighter. I don't know how they get tighter. I don't like wearing tight clothes. It's, it's a dryer. It's a dryer, okay? It's a dry cleaning. They, they do that. I send it one size, they bring me another one, you know? But, you know, he trusted his father's ability to hear from God, you know? I would have been petrified. I was like, okay, I don't know what he's thinking, but I think I know what he's thinking, you know? I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm the sacrifice. I'm the offering, you know? Now, and Isaac obeyed Abraham even when Isaac did not hear what God spoke to Abraham. He said, I'll trust you. I know God is speaking to you, and I don't hear what God is saying, but I trust that you're listening to God. Amen? We can trust God when our faith is tested. If it took great faith for Abraham to offer up Isaac, think of how much faith it took Isaac. And now, this was uh, Abraham and Isaac's greatest test of faith, and they passed the test. We do not like to have our faith tested. No one prays for sickness or car accidents or layoffs or divorce. Nobody prays for that. I didn't pray to get COVID a couple months ago. I didn't pray to get on a motorcycle not knowing how to ride it, almost killing myself. I, I, I would tell that story, but that's a story for another day. 
Just know that I'm okay, all right? And I almost, when I said I almost didn't make it to this year, that's why. All right? But no one prays for any of that, you know? I'm not there praying, Lord, let my voice be raspy this morning, you know? Please, you know? Unless you're a lunatic, you're praying for stuff like that. Maybe for somebody you don't like, you pray that. But let's not do that, amen? Nobody prays for stuff like that. We do not know if we will be healed, recover, find a new job, or reconcile with our family. We do not know how the story will end, but God does, right? God knows how the story ends. Now, for us, reading this story, many of us know the story. It's like, yeah, he's not going to kill his son. If you read a little bit longer, you'll see that he doesn't. But in the moment, Abraham was like, okay, what's going on? What's going on? I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm tied up, you know. He's got his hand ready to stab me, or you know. Um, but we know what happened. They didn't. But in the end, God knows what's going to happen. God knows the outcome. Those are the times when we must trust that God is in control, especially when we are not. When our life is out of control, we need a God that is always in control. Amen? Abraham did not have the benefit of the Bible, right, to read his story as it was written. He believed he was marching up a mountain to offer up his son to God. But he equally believed he was marching down the mountain with his son with him. He said, I'm going with my son and I'm coming back with my son. Because I know that God is going to provide. Right? Although God had not raised anyone from the dead, at that point, Abraham trusted God would. Because the writer of the book of Hebrews wrote that Abraham concluded in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verses 17 through 19. It says, by faith, Abraham... When he was tried, when God tempted him, when he tried him, when he tested him, to offer up Isaac, and he, had, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence he also received in the figure. Other translations said, God was able to raise Isaac up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. God saved Isaac from a, from a for sure death because Abraham was definitely going to kill him. Well, offer him up for sacrifice if it sounds better. You know, it, it, <laughs> he was going to do that. But Abraham trusted God when his faith was tested and God proved, him, proved himself to be faithful. Amen? That's how he concluded. You know, hey, he raised, he, he's, he delivered him. So not only what he's, he was proving that he's a deliver, uh, a provider, rather, but also that he's a deliverer. Uh, second point, God intervened and provided a sacrifice. That's what happens next in the story, right? Uh, Isaac laid on the altar, bound with the robes. As his dad stood over him, Abraham lifted his eyes towards the heavens, and he lifted, he lifted the knife above his head. And that was no charade. He was really going to do that. You know, he was really going to do it. Abraham was about to offer up his promised son unto God because God had asked him to. Abraham's faith was so unflappable, it was unmovable. Just before he brought the knife down, uh, Genesis 22 and 12 says, The angel of the Lord called unto Abraham, and Abraham replied, Here I am. And the angel of the Lord gave good news to Abraham. And great news to Isaac. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither, neither do thou do anything to him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. We do not know if Isaac heard the voice of the angel, 
but he's glad his dad did. You know, although Abraham did not know how God was going to work it all out, he knew God would not ask him to do anything that would destroy God's promise. God's promises are kept. He will keep his promises. Isaac was a promise. He kept Isaac. Amen? Uh, Isaac was undoubtedly the promised seed uh, through which all of Abraham's descendants will be born. There was no way God could require Isaac's life for good and keep his word at the same time. So there's no way he can break a promise and keep it at the same time. That's just it's not what God does. We may not understand why God asked a certain thing of us, but we can trust him anyway. Amen? Faith is not believing God will always do what we want, but faith is believing God will always do what is right. God does not have to explain himself to us. We would like him to, right? But he is our God. He is God, and we are not. The story shines uh, shines a, bl- uh, a blinding light point on the truth that God is trustworthy. We can trust in God. We who sit on the end side of the story rejoice, right? Like I said, we know what happens. We're happy of what happens, you know. But Abraham's story was still being written, and he courageously, courageously rather, believed God. And his faith pleased God, and so will ours. Our faith will please God just as Abraham's did. The story should encourage us to trust God. This story should encourage us to trust God. Amen? Uh, third point, and I'm running a little bit late. Oh, man. Uh, God revealed himself to Abraham as Jehovah Jireh. Why? Because the Lord provided for Abraham. That's what it means. The Lord is our provider, Jehovah Jireh. Abraham and Isaac were about to watch a miracle in the making. Abraham's blood pressure lowered as he lowered the knife, and Isaac was still in one piece. He dodged a knife. <laughs> he dodged the bullet. You know, he dodged the knife. He almost. Uh, suddenly, Abraham saw a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. They had traveled several days from home and trekked up the mountain. Abraham had built an altar and brought everything he needed to offer sacrifice to God in worship. Abraham was not leaving without offering something to God. Right? He says, this is what we came to do. We came to worship God. I'm not leaving without offering him a sacrifice, even if it is my son. But thankfully, it was the ram caught in the thicket. Abraham had built an altar and had brought everything he needed to offer sacrifice to God in worship. Abraham was not leaving without offering something to God. He went over, took the ram, and offered it to the Lord as a burnt offering. Now, if this story would happen with any of us, really, you're about to kill your son. Then there's a, you know, the angel speaks. Stop, stop. There's a ram right there. Go do that. Your first instinct will be like, whew. All right, let me untie my son and let's get out of here. I don't, I don't want him to ask me again, you know. But no, that's not what Abraham had in mind. He said, no, I came here to worship God. Because giving up that sacrifice was a sign of worship back then, right? That's how, that's how they, they worship God. That's by offering sacrifice. So not only was he happy that he didn't get to kill his son, or offer him up as a sacrifice, but he, in the end, did offer up the sacrifice, the sacrifice, and that being the ram in the thicket. Why? Because that's what he was there to do. He was there to please God. God spoke once more to Abraham and continued to compound his promises to bless, to bless Abraham for his faith. Then, without fanfare, Abraham and Isaac walked back down the mountain, met up with their servants, and headed towards home. Probably told them on the way, don't tell your mother. It takes between me and you, man. I'll buy you candy on their way back, all right? <laughs> the servants had no idea what happened. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nobody but us <laughs> and them know, 
right? They didn't know that uh, both Abraham and Isaac had a life-altering experience with God where they saw him in a beautiful new way. Amen? They saw God in a, in a miraculous way, really. That was a miracle how he provided that. Now, keep in mind that even though they shared that hard moment, he still did what, he, what God wanted him to do in the first place, and that was worship. Now, God may ask us to do the same, give up a sacrifice, and when he performs a miracle, it doesn't stop there. We must commit to the fullest. We must worship him. Amen. Uh, uh, last point, and I think I'm, okay, I'm, I'm good on time. Uh, I will trust God when he asks for my all, knowing it will draw me closer to him. That's exactly what happened in the story. God asked Abraham for his all, his only son, the son he loved, it says right there. But in all, all in all, he, in the end, he, he was drawn closer to God because of that. And those times when God puts our faith in the crucible and presses, we see God in a beautiful new way. If a car speeding toward you went to the left of the center and you cried out the name of Jesus and God spared your life, you see Jesus as the Lord who protects, amen? If there was nothing in the refrigerator for, except some leftovers from last week and a, cup, a bottle of ketchup and mayonnaise, and then you heard your doorbell ring, I can testify to that, amen? I can testify. And then you hear the doorbell ringing and somebody just brought you groceries, right? You see Jesus as the Lord who provides. If you have a terminal diagnosis in your medical record, but the doctor has, clearly, has cleared you from all terminal illness, you see Jesus as the Lord who heals. If you bury someone you love but have peace that God is still there with you as you grieve, you see Jesus as the Lord who gives peace. Now, none of us wants to go through those times, but when we do, we see God in a beautiful new way. If you were addicted to drugs and alcohol, maybe, you could find, uh, you cannot find a way out, but, God, but Jesus set you free. God delivered you, and you see him now as the Lord who delivers, the God who delivers. When we were lost and without hope, Jesus saved us from our sins. We see him as the Lord who saves. The more we give to God, the closer we get to God. And the more we see him as he is, he is great, he is good, he is our God. The big idea in this lesson was that I will trust God when he asks for my all, knowing that by doing that, it will draw me closer to him. Perhaps God has made you a promise Perhaps at an altar you have built, God promised you to save someone in your family. You have not seen it happen yet, but just because it hasn't happened, it does not mean that it will never happen. Abraham can testify to that truth, amen? He waited 25 years for his promised son to be born. But when the time was right, God kept his word and gave him Isaac. Perhaps God promised you to use you in an area of ministry, but you have not seen that area open. Just keep serving God and others who you are. Do not grow impatient and take matters into your own hands. If you can hear Abraham, he'll be saying, amen, hallelujah. Because why? Because we know that he grew impatient and he sired a son with his wife's handmaid, his wife's maid. And Ishmael's descendants and Isaac's descendants are still carrying their rivalry up to this day. That's what happens when you Try to take matters into your own hands. Now, what I wanted to point out, I don't know if you guys remember earlier, uh, in this, now, this lesson, many of us around are, are getting the same thing. So we are using kind of like a, you know, teacher's manual type of deal. 
But one thing that stood out to me, now, my, my plan was just stick to the lesson, you know, do all that. But one thing that was revealed to me while studying for this lesson is that in the beginning, he tells him, you know, take your son, your only son, the one who you love. When, that, uh, when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son, he spoke, to, uh, as, uh, he spoke of Isaac, rather, as his only son. Now, on the back of his head, Abraham must have thought, well, this is not my only son, really. You know, I have, you know, yeah, my, my little mess up back there. Um, not, not, not the kid, the mistake he made, you know. No, no, no kid is a mistake because that was intentional, you know, what he did. It wasn't, you know, but anyways, God did not acknowledge the other one as his son. Why? Because when he sent him off, God forgot all about that. God knew, this, that's not the one that promised you. This is the one that promised you. This is the one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call as your promise. Now, many of us may think that we are defined by our mistakes. We are defined by our past. But God does not define us by our mistakes and our past. He defines us by our promise. Amen? So can you, can you stand, stand up real, uh, real quick? We're going to pray. Uh, we're going to pray for this word. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.